Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. Welcome, everybody. Anybody here for the first time tonight? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back, everyone else. Welcome to anybody joining us on Zoom for our hybrid class for the first time. Welcome. Against the Stream um, has been uh, providing a place to meditate. Uh, this Monday night class has been happening on the west side of Los Angeles. We're in Venice now. We used to be in Santa Monica for um, 17 years, every, every Monday for the last 17 years. So some of you have been coming for a long time. Some of you are newer. Welcome. And my sense of uh, teaching and providing a place for practicing Buddhism is uh, several levels. One is um, it's a good place to learn meditation if you're new get some instructions, get some support with Buddhist meditation instructions, get some education, hopefully inspiration with what the Buddha taught and how to apply that to our lives. Um, And then another piece, which I can't really do, you have to do yourselves and harder for those of you at home in the little boxes on Zoom, um, but for you to connect with each other. And this one of the, there's three refuges in Buddhism. We take refuge in Buddha, which means our own potential for awakening, for enlightenment, for healing, recovery, freedom, whatever you want to call it. And we uh, commit to our own awakening. We take refuge in the path, the practices, the teachings, the truth that will lead to that awakening. And again, both of those first two is like, you got to do all the work. (laughs) You got to do all the work. And then the third is we take refuge in the community. The song, we call it Sangha. Um, and again, you have to do that. You have to connect, you have to meet each other. You have to make those long-term friendships um, that you can in you know, groups like this, meet people and connect and have you know, long-term, supportive, encouraging. Uh, I always like to say, you know, as Buddhists, maybe more actually just as humans, we also need to learn how to fight not just a a fake spiritual community where everybody's coming in and putting on their, I'm I'm a meditator, man. So spiritual and kind all of the time. Um, Yeah, hopefully you're here and you're trying to be kind and and compassionate and forgiving, but also uh, a huge part of life is relationships and conflict in relationships. And how can we use these principles to actually show up for conflict in a better way, in a wiser way, in a, you know, but real, but also authentic. Um, So I like to begin class, and I didn't do it last week because it wasn't feeling like it, but I like to begin class by a prompt where you talk to each other. And so that's how I can help facilitate you meeting each other. So I'll give you a prompt in a moment. And then I really encourage you to um, try to talk to people you don't know already. Like maybe you're here with a friend or you know some people. At, At home, it's random. I throw you in these breakout rooms and you get who you get. Um, But here you can choose to just be like, well, I'm only talking to my homie because that's who I know. Or you can walk across the room and meet someone new 
And then, you know, maybe make a, you know, a new acquaintance. And then next week you see him again. And then pretty soon, you know, each other and you have, a, you know, more friends that are on the path that are practicing this tradition. So I'm going to talk about forgiveness tonight. And so for a prompt, it's just a moment, actually, just forgiveness. Let that land in you. Uh, who do you need to forgive? All right, what resentments are making your life more difficult than necessary? When you think about like what kind of relief would it be to forgive, to let go of anger, resentment, hatred, fear, ill will, all of the things that we lay on top of the pain we've experienced in our life rather than just like, oh, that was painful. It's that was painful. And I fucking hate everyone and everything that causes me pain, <laughs> basically, right? There's this, this uh, instinctual drive towards aversion and resentment. And if it hurt, I hate it. If you hurt me, I hate you. And then the biggest dilemma, which is like, but I hurt myself all of the time and I hate myself. I hate my mind because it's critical and it's judgmental and it's comparing and it's jealous and all of that shit that our head does, our brains do all by themselves. And it's so easy to set up an adversarial. I think it's natural. Most, almost all humans, all of us unenlightened humans that have this adversarial relationship with our own minds. What would it be like if you forgave your mind for all of the times that it's unskillful, unkind, unloving, unforgiving, critical, judgmental, you know, insecure? What if you forgave that part of your mind that doesn't know your own worth, that feels unworthy, that is confused about who we are. So I'm going to go further down this uh, forgiveness track tonight in the talk. I was once um, before I, I'm going to, this is like a trigger warning and I feel like an asshole doing a trigger warning, but I'm going to do a trigger warning <laughs> because um, I was once confronted by a well-meaning human being who said, you know, Buddhism is just not trauma-informed. And I remember feeling in, uh, a little bit offended. How dare you? I mean, it's not trauma-informed. Buddhism will heal all of your trauma if you appropriate, you know, if you take it. Uh, but, you know, they were right where, you know, the Buddha's like, well, think about yourself as a corpse. Go. And it's like, whoa, 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 like, I'm a corpse, I'm fucking a rotting pile of maggots, uh, can be a little like triggering for, for us. Um, you know, around forgiveness in refuge recovery, we do these inventories, the first noble truth, the suffering of your life and how it led to addiction. And there's all of these really, you know, deep questions that can bring up stuff. The second noble truth, the cause of suffering is repetitive craving. And this investigation of like, well, what were some of the factors in your life that led to addictive craving, right? Buddha's second noble truth. Everyone has craving. Craving is normal, but not everybody becomes a junkie, 
right? <laughs> Not everybody uh, gets strung out on booze or crack or everyone wants life to be pleasant all of the time. That's normal. It's normal truth for humanity. Craving causes suffering. But for myself and so many of people in our community, like we took it to such an extreme. I don't just want it to be pleasant. I want to be nodded out. I want to be, you know, so loaded that I don't feel the pain of existence and only get the pleasure that the substances produce. The first question on the second noble truth inventory in, in refuge, I know this is against the stream, but I'm just letting you know, in refuge is uh, what is your most painful memory? Right, like trigger warning, like just what is the pain of our lives, the most painful shit that has happened? And then the second part of that question is, and how did that influence your drinking, your drugging, your sex addiction, your gambling, your food addiction, whatever it was that brought you to recovery in, in the refuge? But for here, how, you know, maybe some of you nice people are not addicts. Believe it or not, look around. Some of you are not addicts. Um, my sense is that at this point, we did a survey and against the stream. 10 years ago, more. And it was like half, half of the people in Against the Stream were in recovery and half weren't. My sense these days, I haven't done a survey anytime recently, but that it's even more so like three quarters of the people here are recovery people. As refuge recovery has grown, has kind of infiltrated, taken over Against the Stream. But still, there's a percentage of people here on Zoom or in the room tonight who aren't addicts, but you still have those painful memories difficult things that have happened in your life that probably there's some resentment towards that probably uh, have affected, definitely have affected our lives in one way or another. So Buddhism has this radical uh, request, which is like, let's stop denying and hiding and suppressing and avoiding, but let's turn towards, turn towards your pain. The path to the end of suffering is by turning towards and not being so worried about getting triggered actually turning our triggers into our practice, turning our, this is really painful to look at and makes me uncomfortable into like, oh good, I'm onto something here. It's painful to look at and makes me uncomfortable. There's some healing to be done here. This is the right direction rather than like, oh no, no, I don't wanna do anything that makes me uncomfortable. It's not trauma informed. You have to be very gentle all of the time. And I'm, I know I'm talking a little bit of shit about trauma-informed modalities. They have their place for sure, gentleness as we approach our sorrow, as we approach our suffering um, is wise. We don't have to be you know, too, uh, too intense about it. And my sense is that uh, you know Buddhism isn't trauma informed. Again, kind of like look at your pain, change your relationship to it, face death, face impermanence, face the reality that there is no such thing as security. All secure feelings are a delusion. <laughs> on some level, because everything's impermanent. So as soon as we're feeling real fucking solid and secure, that's when the 
carpet gets pulled out from under you and you're like, what the fuck happened? I thought like everything was all set. I was feeling so secure for a minute there. And then, you know, Buddhism's like, no, don't like let go. Just accept the totally insecure uh, nature of all things. And then you'll feel completely at ease. <laughs> as long as you're not looking for something to cling to as permanently secure. Making sense? I know I'm going, I drank coffee before class. I apologize. Um, small groups about forgiveness. Maybe about something that you know would um, be a relief if you could let go of some resentment that you've been holding. And you get to choose what you talk about. You don't need to talk about the greatest betrayal and, and abuse of your life. You can talk about um, some difficulty that's going on in your, you know, at work or in your relationship, or you don't have to go to the biggest one. When I was taught forgiveness, my teacher said, think of forgiveness as like weight training. You don't have to start with trying to lift 500 pound resentments. Start with like, you know, lifting some 10 pound dumbbells, forgiving just some of the idiots around you, <laughs> not the people that abused you the most or betrayed you the most. I know I asked this question of like, what's the biggest one? And I think it's important for us to bring that into awareness in our practice and in our but when it comes to turning to a stranger and being like, this is the biggest one, you don't have to talk about your childhood trauma. You can talk about, you know, something that feels okay to talk about. Some annoyance that would be, it would be a relief if I wasn't holding on to this judgment, this resentment um, that's happening somewhat currently. Um, so talk about resentment and forgiveness in your small groups. Find uh, two or three people that you don't know so well yet and talk about forgiveness together. And at home, I'm gonna throw you in the groups. We'll do a forgiveness meditation in a few minutes, but I do wanna say a few things before we meditate. Some of you have been doing this for a long time, familiar territory part of your practice, part of your process. Some people come to Against the Stream are a bit newer to these perspectives. So I feel responsible to um, share some perspectives. Um, one is that forgiveness is not, um, it's not forgetting. It doesn't, forgiveness doesn't get rid of the pain of our past. You kind of know that, right? But I think it's pretty natural to feel like, well, if I could forgive, then it wouldn't hurt anymore. And one of the reasons we resent is because it, you know, the, the painful memories that we hold, the painful feelings that the pain of our past brings up in us. And we, I think it's pretty natural to come to meditation thinking like, can I just meditate this shit away? If I meditate enough, well, we'll, um, Will it not be so painful in my heart, in my head, in my life? My sense is that actually if we uh, take forgiveness practice seriously, you can come to the place 
where you um, don't hate yourself or anyone else. And that in itself is a huge relief and a, a pretty tall order <laughs> to actually free ourselves from hatred, from ill will, from resentment. Um, but it doesn't get rid of the painful memories. You can't forgive away the pain of your past and the difficulties that we've lived through. And no matter how much you forgive your mind, we forgive our minds. Uh, it's not going to make your mind no longer judgmental and critical and insecure. And uh, you still have to live with your fear-based human ego. But you can forgive your mind for having a fear-based human ego <laughs> and makes it much more uh, manageable. To just be like, oh man, my mind is so critical and so, you know, loves to compare and loves to judge and loves to be inflated or deflated or all of that shit that your brain does that's not your fault, that's not who we are. And if we can forgive it and have some compassion for it, the mind, the human condition, life gets so much better, I promise you. <laughs> It gets so much better when we can relate with compassion and forgiveness to the human condition, to the human mind, to the pain of our past, to the insecurity of our present, the fear and insecurity of the future. With compassion, with forgiveness, a sense of ease is possible, but not freedom from pain. So just always want to remind people that. Compassion doesn't get rid of pain. Forgiveness doesn't get rid of pain. Sort of the bad news of Buddhism. Enlightenment doesn't get rid of pain. It's also one of the reasons why I trust Buddhism more than any other philosophy or spiritual or religious tradition that I've ever heard of. Because I feel like it gives us, it tells us the truth. So many spiritual philosophies sell us a, a bill of goods, sell us a, and you'll be blissful all of the time. And it's just like, yeah, that's bullshit. Blissful all of the time. I trust the Buddha because he was honest with us. And he said, nope, you can be free from suffering, but you still got to deal with your pain. You got to deal with your painful memories. You got to deal with your painful sensations. Difficult emotions are going to continue to come. But when you're awake, when you meditate yourself into awakening, when you act yourself into ethical uh, awareness of life, then it's all manageable, still painful. But you meet the pain with compassion and forgiveness. You meet the impermanence with non-attachment. I know it's simple to say it's really long-term process to get our heart and our mind uh, in uh, harmony with what we call the Dharma, non-attachment and compassion and forgiveness. Easy words to throw out there. The experience for most of us takes years and years of meditation, maybe decades. I love to quote the Dalai Lama when he was asked, how long does this enlightenment business take? And he said, I, I don't know, but just do, you know, do your practice every day and check in on your progress once every decade or so. <laughs> Meditate on forgiveness every day and see if your life improves within the next 10 years. See if your relationship to your mind changes the more you do mindfulness over the years of practice. It's not a quick fix, you know, there's no easy 
um, solution of like, well, I've been meditating for months, I should be free. One of the reasons I thought about forgiveness for our topic tonight, um, I was thinking like, okay, we're going into the holiday season. And uh, do you suffer more in the holiday season? Some of you are like, I fucking love the holidays. Weirdos. <laughs> no judgment, but you're strange. <laughs> and, but often, um, you know, a lot of our pain, we're talking about pain and forgiveness, uh, comes from our families, you know, obviously. And then usually around the holidays, we have to deal with our families more than the rest of the year. Some of you maybe are quite close with your family, see them a lot. <clears throat> but I feel like a lot of our sort of Western culture is like home for the holidays, dealing with the friends, the in-laws, the, you know, if you don't live in your hometown, like for me, I grew up in Santa Cruz and go back to Santa Cruz around the holidays and, you know, kind of where the trauma was born. <laughs> But, and it always brings it up. It always is kind of like, oh, I smoke crack on that corner. Uh, I was arrested over there, driving up to Joe's past the juvenile hall that I got sober in, you know, like in all of those memories uh, come up. And, you know, how am I relating to these memories? How am I relating to these, um, the pain of my life around the holidays? I don't know. So I was thinking forgiveness tonight and then an encouragement. What if you did forgiveness practice for the next, every day for at least like 10 minutes? We're, we're going to do it in a minute. But then this encouragement, what if you did 10 minutes of forgiveness every day for the next 90 days, all the way through the holidays? It'll bring you like almost whatever, like close to New Year's, I think. October, or let's say November, December. It'll bring you past New Year's, right? Is that right? Yeah, October to November, November to December to January. So to bring you through to the New Year's 90-day forgiveness challenge. You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> but like in you, I, I invite you to consider a 90-day forgiveness practice through the holidays. So that whatever you experience, maybe you're going to do a Friendsgiving and a you know, holiday with the homies or whatever you're going to do. Um, but bring it in you know, bring, bring uh, the intention of forgiveness for your own mind, for your own pain, and for all of the difficult people that, you know, and any difficult feelings that, um, you know, some, some of our, us maybe have family stuff that we go into in the holidays, and then some of us feel like, well, I'm fucking alone. I feel left out. I feel I don't have any family to have the holidays with, and there's a whole forgiveness practice around that. I have to just deal with my annoying friends for the holidays. There's a couple of places where the Buddha, I will get to the meditation, I promise. There's this central teaching in Buddhism of loving kindness, where he says, we want to get to this place of, um, I heard that. <laughs> I didn't hear anything, but I felt it. Um, I'm going to get this place of loving kindness that for all living beings is the part of the goal. You want to come to the place where you feel love and kindness and unconditional goodwill and friendliness for everyone. The Buddha uses the image. He says, just as a mother would cherish, what does he say? Uh, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. 
what a tall order. What an awesome encouragement to say, like, try to develop that kind of love that you would for your own children towards, the, towards your enemies, towards the strangers on the street, towards, you know, the strangers in the, in the room, at work, or, you know, wherever you are. Here in the Metasutta, he says, in order to get to this place of open-heartedness for all living beings, um, he says, let none deceive another, a, a mention of honesty, or despise any being in any state. And part of that opening question tonight was like, who do you despise? And probably most of us can come up with a list real easy. Oh, I got a whole list of people I despise. Just let me think about it for a moment. And, you know, I, I hate A, B, C, D, E, X, Y, Z. Freeing ourselves from let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. In order to get to this place of open heartedness, we have to free ourselves from anger, from ill will, from wishing harm, resenting. And one more where he says, free from hatred and ill will whether standing or sitting, walking or laying down. So there's like three or four encouragements to forgiveness in order to get to a place of loving kindness, like a prerequisite. You want to be loving and kind, and first you got to forgive because you can't really hold true, loving, compassionate openness and hatred at the same time. It feels like they coexist. But I hear that teaching as an encouragement to... Forgive everyone in order to free your own heart from the suffering, the unnecessary suffering of resentment. What a radical task we're being asked or encouraged, and I'm encouraging you. Um, I do believe that hatred is natural. Resentment is normal. I think that Love and compassion and forgiveness is rare and uh, maybe even counter to our survival instinct. I think that there's something about the millions of years of biological evolution of our species that we're just born into a resenting body. I don't know how many of you have children or have been around babies, but they are pissed. Babies are mad when they're not comfortable I mean, they fucking resent it. I, you know, like I don't have the, my right blanket or my right, you know, whatever it is. Anger, screaming. You ever been screamed at by a child without even dysfunctional parenting conditioning them. It's just a natural part of our, in, you know, and then we grow up and we continue to be mad at what's painful in our life being compassionate and forgiving towards what's painful in our life um, is what we're trying to do here. I've been working on it for over 30 years and I've found some success. Um, not perfection at all, but a lot of progress and a lot of uh, ability to uh, tolerate pain that I didn't used to have and to have compassion for pain and, and to be able to forgive and see even in our enemies, uh, in my enemies, uh, the suffering and confusion that led to the harm that they caused to me. 
and to be able to see in myself the confusion uh, that's going on in me when I'm harming someone else, when I've been unwise, unskillful, un unkind to someone else, seeing that underneath all harm is some form of ignorance, some form of confusion, which makes it easier to have compassion and easier to approach that confused ignorance with compassion and forgiveness. Traditionally, it's done in um, three categories. We uh, develop a mind state and, a, and an attitude of forgiveness um, by asking for forgiveness for all the people that we've harmed. Usually when we go to forgiveness, we start to think about all the people we hate. But um, there's something really important about starting with looking at ourselves clearly. How many people hate me? or even if they don't hate me, but that I've harmed in some way or another. I've been dishonest, I've been selfish, I've been inconsiderate, I've you know, didn't return the phone calls or the emails or whatever it was that I've caused harm to people, or I've stolen or I've been violent or whatever it has been in your life. How have you caused harm? And asking for forgiveness. Like we make amends in recovery, doing that in meditation. Please forgive me for however I harmed you. And here's an important piece of the meditation, whether it was intentional or unintentional. Please forgive me for having harmed you, whether I did it on purpose because I was just real fucking mad and I hurt you or selfish, or it was unintentional. I didn't even mean to hurt you, but I forgot to call you back and it hurt you. And I ask your forgiveness. It wasn't intentional, but I still will take responsibility. I will still ask you for forgiveness. Does that make sense? It's, it's easy to kind of get into that justification of like, well, I, I wasn't, wasn't intentional, so I don't have to ask for forgiveness. Ask anyways, in your own heart, in your own mind. Second category is what we generally think of as forgiveness, which is... Uh, developing forgiveness towards the people that have harmed us, whether they harmed us intentionally or unintentionally. Sending forgiveness to our enemies from the small 10 pound forgiveness, you know, resentments to the biggest ones. My own mind made three lists when I started forgiveness practice. The first list was no way, I'll never forgive all of these people over here on this list. I don't even want to forgive them. I have, I have no, you know, fuck them. And I was doing forgiveness practice, but I was like, but not them. <laughs> and then there was a um, middle list of like, well, maybe I'm open to the possibility of forgiving these people on this list. And then there was a list of like, actually, people I totally want to forgive. I'm tired of holding this and uh, I'd like to forgive, you know, a whole long, I think probably the longest list was like, yes, I'd like to forgive. Feel, they feel worthy of my forgiveness, whatever it is. I'd like to not hold these resentments, maybe never. And then over the years of doing the forgiveness meditation, the nevers became maybes. And then maybes became, yes, let me bring them in to the practice and say, I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. Let me practice developing that mind state, that heart state. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. Also important. 
Intentional or unintentional is an important phrase. And as much as I can in this moment, really important so that we're not having our meditation be fake. It's not a, an affirmation. It's not a lie, you know, like those affirmations people do, which is like, look in the mirror and lie to yourself. I forgive you. Total Stuart Smalley, you know, remember Stuart Smalley? Because I'm good enough. Gosh darn it, people like me. Sorry, vintage uh, Saturday Night Live. You, you're all too young. The old guy making dumb jokes. Forgiveness as an aspiration that we're developing in our heart and a, a humble intention rather than I forgive you when it's not true yet. It's my intention to forgive you. I forgive you as much as I can right now, but it's probably not complete, not perfect yet. And there will be those moments where it becomes like, actually, it's, it is, it's totally sincere. And I really do in this moment feel like I forgive you completely even towards the most difficult, painful scenarios, people in our life, situations. But until you get there, you don't need to fake it. You can just say as much as I can in this moment, the humble acknowledgement that it's my intention. And then the third category is uh, learning to forgive ourselves. And... Um, it is forgiving ourselves for our past actions, the ways that we've caused harm to ourselves, to others, the ways that we hold guilt and maybe shame about how we've been unskillful, unwise, unloving, unkind, dishonest in the past. So there's that big sort of forgiving ourselves for the past harms, confusions. And then, as I said in the beginning, there's also... I find it so useful to target forgiveness um, like to my mind rather than just like my whole life and myself to actually start to see, oh, my mind all by itself, non-volitionally, you know, that term of like, it's not intentional, it's not on purpose, but my mind is critical. My mind is comparing it. You know, my ego gets inflated if I get the right kind of intention or deflated if I don't get the right. All of that stuff that happens all by itself and is not your fault, forgive it. Meet your mind with forgiveness. Meet your difficult emotions, the fact that you have anxiety or fear or depression or sadness or loneliness or all of the shit that we experience and that we subtly or not so subtly feel like, I shouldn't feel this. I shouldn't have difficult emotions. <laughs> I shouldn't feel lonely or scared or insecure. Meeting those feelings with as much forgiveness as we can. I forgive my loneliness. I forgive my fear. I forgive the uh, unworthiness, thoughts and feelings that come up in my, in my mind. Targeting forgiveness, specific aspects of your psychology, of your, of your emotions. Or forgiving your body. Um, sickness, aging, death comes with birth. But do you resent your body for aging yet? <laughs> At some point you will, or you, or you judge your body. Well, it should be more fit, or it should be thinner, or it should be not so thin, or it should be taller, or I should have more hair, or whatever, you know. Forgive your body for being just the way it is. I forgive you to your body. 
as much as I can in this moment. Forgive your heart that has been broken, that, that feels armored, that feels frozen, that feels defended. So the heart, the mind, the body, as objects of our self-forgiveness. Make sense for the most part? All right, that's enough. Let's meditate. Those are some of the trigger warnings and encouragements. And uh, we'll have some more discussion after we sit for a little while. Find a way to be that's upright, relaxed. Taking a moment to release tension. Sometimes just thinking about forgiveness can make your belly tight, your jaw clench. All of the ways that we resist letting go. Starting with this first category of reflecting on the confusion of our own lives, the times that we've been so selfish, self-centered, afraid, angry, that we've caused harm to others. Our impatience, our judgments, our fears spilling out not being able to hold our pain, our pain, our confusion, affecting the people around us, causing them harm. Bring to mind some of the people you know you've harmed intentionally or unintentionally. And begin asking for forgiveness in your own heart, mind. The simple meditative phrase, please forgive me for having harmed you. That phrase itself is enough. Please forgive me for having harmed you. The longer version is, please forgive me for having harmed you, whether it was intentional or unintentional, through my words or my actions, motivated by anger or fear or lust. I ask your forgiveness.
it's okay to keep it simple and just repeating over and over slowly in your heart mind please forgive me or i ask your forgiveness for the harm that i've caused intentionally or unintentionally Sometimes it's so interesting as we turn towards forgiveness to see who shows up, what memories. What we've been avoiding, perhaps suppressing, let it arise. Asking for forgiveness with a healthy sense of regret for the harm that we have caused. Connected with compassion. Of course we regret harming others. When your mind starts wandering off into the story, creating a dialogue of them saying, no, go fuck yourself, whatever your mind is saying, just come back to the phrase. Please forgive me for having caused you harm, whether it was intentional or unintentional. training our own minds to humbly ask for forgiveness.
specific people coming to mind. And then for the last minute or so of this category, just in a general way, outward in all directions, all of the people that we've been rude to, that we've been unkind to, that we've ever slighted, that we've ever harmed, in a general way, in all directions, to all living beings, taking full responsibility for the karma of our actions and asking for forgiveness. Now letting go of the first section of asking for forgiveness and coming back, softening shoulders, belly, jaw. Soften your heart as much as you can in this moment. And turn towards Asking for forgiveness or offering forgiveness, excuse me. Turn towards the resentments that we've been holding, the people that have harmed us. Not the most difficult ones, but bringing to mind some resentments you've been holding, some judgments, some anger some ill will. Begin humbly offering forgiveness with the phrase, I forgive you as much as I can in this moment, the intention. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment for harming me, whether it was intentional or unintentional, through your words or actions, out of your anger, your fear, your craving, whatever motivated the harm. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment.
I forgive you as much as I can in this moment, over and over. In your mind, whether it's totally sincere or not, practicing, developing, cultivating the intention of forgiveness, of letting go, seeing the confusion, the ignorance that spilled out onto us that harmed us, rather than holding the hatred that makes our world, our life worse, we let go, whether they deserve it or not. Forgiving them for your own freedom, for your own well-being. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. I don't want to hold the hatred, the ill will. In order to free myself from this suffering, I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. If you're new to the practice, you don't need to push yourself to forgive the people who feel unforgivable. Let them be on that not yet list. Forgive the people that you want to, that you're willing to try to forgive first.
letting go of the offering. Softening, releasing, and turning towards yourself. All of the ways that we have been judgmental, angry, resentful towards ourselves, the shame, the guilt. Touching the sorrow, the pain, the confusion in our lives with as much compassion as we can as we offer ourselves as much forgiveness as we can in this moment in a general way saying to yourself I forgive you as much as I can in this moment perhaps even using your own first name to make it personal in that way. We're saying to ourselves, I forgive you for not knowing how to not take things personal, for not knowing how to hold the pain without spilling it out. I give you as much as I can in this moment to ourselves and begin targeting the specific areas of your life that are most difficult, your judging mind, your wounded heart. Your painful body, maybe illnesses or difficulties in the body, meet your body with forgiveness. Meet your heart with as much forgiveness as you can. Ways that it's become armored, defended, closed. Forgive your mind for all of the ways that it stresses you out with the fear, with the constant planning, worrying. With the ways that it thinks it needs to hold resentment to protect you. Forgive your mind. All of the confusion that this being human is made up of. 
letting go, accepting ourselves as we are, however much access to forgiveness we have in this moment or lack of access. It's a long-term process for most of us. When you're ready, allowing your eyes to open, coming back. I know for myself, when I started um, meditating and Buddhist practice, forgiveness wasn't on my radar. It wasn't something that I knew about or thought about. And, and in a lot of ways, I, I think I, um, I developed a worldview that, for, that my anger was protecting me, that my resentments, my hatred, my judgments were necessary. And... Um, it took, it took me a while to shift, to start to understand that actually my anger, my resentments were the cause of a lot of my suffering and that it was desirable to be free from hatred. Um, so I just mentioned that because I know different people are in different places. Some, some people might come in and just be like, hey, I'm, just, I'm here for the mindfulness. What's this forgiveness shit? Um, that was certainly my attitude in the beginning. And then my first couple of years, I feel like of doing forgiveness meditation, I didn't, I, I couldn't even have a real sincere inner voice with it. Like it was an insincere, uh, kind of smart ass inner voice. Like, please forgive me. Like, yeah, right. Like it took a while for it to become sincere. I'm going to open to questions in a moment. I want to say a couple more things uh, about forgiveness. One is that um, I, I, I believe we can forgive everyone. Forgiveness um, and that we can and should and that it's actually very desirable to be free from hatred. But forgiving people who've harmed us um, or asking for forgiveness from the people that we've harmed there is uh, boundaries which are healthy, and um, I feel like some of the sometimes we think about, well, if I forgive you, does that mean like I have to reconcile? <laughs> um, from this perspective, especially meditation, right? Like we're meditating on forgiveness. It doesn't mean, and sometimes it's actually inappropriate and and unskillful to actually reconcile with some people that have harmed us. So you might forgive them completely in your heart and in your mind and have compassion, but never talk to them again in your life. 
It doesn't, does that make sense? Forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean we need to put ourselves back into those relationships where we've been wounded. And likewise, when you're asking for forgiveness, if you have a good sense that like, fuck, I would probably hurt them again. <laughs> if I go back, you could also have that boundary with yourself of like, I need to stay away from that person because I just, you know, I just am an asshole to them. So I just need to stay away from them. And, you know, as, a, as part of my forgiveness, I need to just leave them alone. Stop calling the ex, period, forever. If that's part of it for you, you know, just like leave them alone, stop harming them. So that's, I feel like that's really important because sometimes we feel like, well, if I forgive, I got to deal with them. You don't have to deal with them. My father who taught me some of this, Tara, would you turn the AC off? It's a little chilly. I see people shivering. Um, he used the phrase, uh, forgiveness is letting them back into your heart, not necessarily back into your home. So important. You can forgive without reconciling in that way. I said earlier about how um, in the intro, I said, you know, we need to learn how to fight. We need to learn how to forgive. We need to learn how to have conflict, disagreements, uh, difficult conversations, confrontations, whatever it's necessary part, I think, of relationships, of family, of community at times. But also forgiveness needs, we need to inform these conflicts with also a forgiving, compassionate intention. Not like I want to fight with you and then, but I want to, you know, let's have the conflict when it's necessary, but let's meet each other with forgiveness for when we are messy and we're unskillful and we get a little bit loud or activated or whatever. Um, when we have trigger each other and we offend each other, let's forgive each other. Buddhism's path is a relational path. The Eightfold Path, that's about how we write speech, write action, write livelihood. It talks about our sexuality. It talks about our communication. It talks about how are we going to show up in our life with wisdom and with compassion. In our relationships, Buddhism is not about hiding in some cave and meditating. It's about showing up for the holidays with forgiveness in your heart. That's the real test. You want to see how spiritual you got? Home for the holidays. And you'll see over the years of like, I'm less reactive than I used to be. This shit's actually working. I'm more compassionate. I'm more forgiving. I'm easier to, to have joy and celebration and, and enjoy the, I mean, I know I sound like a total curmudgeon about the holidays. I, I like the holidays, but in some of my um, formative years of, of practice and recovery, uh, I had to skip the holidays with my family sometimes. And it was sort of like every other year. I'm like, I'm going to India. Like, I'm, you know, like I'm at, I'm, I'm doing friends giving. And I skipped it sometimes. I didn't go because I was very reactive and, and um, it was challenging. 
And then over the years of like, oh, I'm less reactive and I have a bit more compassion, a bit more forgiveness, a bit more. Now these days I look forward to it. I'm like, yeah, can we go see the family? It'll be fun. And I'll still get triggered. And my mom's here. She's always here. And I love my mom. And she pushes my buttons and I push her buttons and that's family. It's just, you know, it's, it's part of it. Anyways, my favorite quote on forgiveness one of them. Uh, this guy says, forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. And I like that. And I connected with the metta sutta, the loving kindness. Practice among all, all of us that love poorly. He says, the hard truth is that all of us love poorly and we need to forgive and be forgiven every day, every hour, unceasingly. That is the great work of love among the fellowship of the weak that is the human family. And so, yes, your family, but also just community, human, humans as a family, not just your birth people, but all of us needing to be more forgiving, more loving, and taking it on as a daily practice. So I, I, earlier I said, you know, 90-day forgiveness challenge every day, every hour unceasingly. But in a formal way, my encouragement is do 15 minutes a day. Add 15 minutes of forgiveness, five minutes of asking for forgiveness, five minutes of offering forgiveness, and five minutes of self-forgiveness. Add that to your meditation practice. If you're already doing 20 or 30 minutes of mindfulness, add the, I forgive you, please forgive me, I forgive myself practices for the next 90 days, see what happens. See if it shifts it a little bit. Some of you do forgiveness every other day. Try doing it every day. Some of you only do forgiveness three times a year when I teach it in class. Try adding it to your daily practice. Questions about this proposal? of forgiveness, please. Um, I noticed when I was um, offering forgiveness to people that I wasn't saying I was sorry. So it seems like it's kind of a one-sided thing to go to somebody and ask for their forgiveness. I have to apologize first. I guess where is I'm sorry? Really, I don't. I don't know. I don't really think about it that way. I feel like, um, I guess, I feel like it's uh, uh, implicit in in there. But if it feels better in your own practice to say, "I'm sorry, please forgive me. I'm sorry, and I ask for your forgiveness." I think I, I made a little, um, you know, Buddhism karma. Like you have the karma of your actions. You're fully responsible for it. You don't even have to make amends to, to own your karma because you own it. But there is something quite um, useful and powerful about that kind of, I'm sorry, and I ask for your forgiveness. I'm sorry can get so uh, watered down and, and feel insincere or something because we can tend to you throw it around so much. I'm sorry. And the kind of making amends or the asking for forgiveness, which feels like feels like it's a 
implied, I'm sorry, but even a higher level of, I ask for your forgiveness. Sometimes in my practice, I've said, um, you didn't deserve it. In, in specific situations. The harm that I caused you, you didn't, you know, it wasn't your fault or you didn't deserve it or, but add that. With all of the meditation practices, don't, um, don't be too like fundamentalist. Take the spirit of it and be like, okay, I'm asking for forgiveness. It would feel good if I added the, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Try that. Any at home? Oh, okay, I see Lee, go ahead. Hey, thanks um, so much as always, Noah. And um, something that's coming to mind is when you mentioned that kind of state of reactivity um, that kind of can get in the way of like a purity of presence. And, and it's, it's sort of like a loving act to know that you might get into that state in certain places. Um, I, I've been like challenged by that a little bit of knowing when you're being like loving to everyone involved, including yourself. And like when it is the right time to, to kind of skip the year or skip the conversation with someone you've been really generous with. And when it's actually like you're pushing yourself to to say like, maybe I'm in a new place right now and I, I can handle this because I'm really committed to meta and really committed to forgiveness. And I was just wondering if you personally kind of had had a phrase that you would maybe use with people in that way when you were skipping those oh. moments or something. I don't, rem I don't remember. And I think I'm probably a little bit just more brash of just like, I'm not going. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not, not going to make it. Um, I don't know. I didn't feel a lot of, um, it, you know, it depends on your family, especially when some families is like you show up, like it's expected, like you, you know, um, I didn't really come from that kind of family. We were kind of, um, it wasn't so expected of like, you're here for the, also because like my own experience was, uh, you know, well, am I with my dad or am I with my mom or am I with my friends or so there was a lot of those, you know, kind of divorce, uh, kid of divorce, where I was like, well, I might not see you this year. Anyways, this year, I'm not going to see either of you like, I'm, you know, I'm out. Um, but I don't recall any real skillful uh, bowing out, but I, it's a good idea to find a way to, to say that, especially if you have families that have a lot of expectation or people who have a lot of expectation. Um, I'm trying to do it in a way that's not blamey, that's taking responsibility and saying like, you know, I'm just gonna do, this is what I need to do for me. Um, and being willing to bear the uh, offending people, you know, like part, part of, does feel it's so important to be willing, you know, there's this whole thing about like, oh, I'm asking for forgiveness for causing harm. But that piece, and I didn't get to it, is about, um, you know, I said intentional or unintentional, but if you are taking care of yourself and someone else is offended by you taking care of yourself, 
You don't have to make amends for that. You know, it's, it's okay for people to have their, their feelings, including our families around, oh, you're going to meditate instead of, you're going, you know, um, it's okay. That's not harm. That's not intentional harm for people to, you know, not get what they want when it's your being true to yourself. I don't feel like that was a great answer, but that's what I got for you. So it's nine o'clock. We'll call it. Casey, if you want to hang afterwards, I'll talk to you. Um, I have a day long coming up November something, 16th, I think next month. It's on the website if you want to come day long where we'll do the um, refuges and the precepts and we'll discuss part, part of what I'm doing on these, these day longs this year is a little bit connected to forgiveness of talking about like uh, where we're falling short in our ideals like our intention around the five precepts uh, and where like maybe we weren't fully honest or we weren't fully um, in integrity with our speech or our sexuality or, or intoxicants or whatever it was. And uh, almost not like a, not a full confession, but just a humble, I really want to live by these Buddhist principles and I'm not great at it. Sometimes I am, you know, fuck up. And I want to keep recommitting, you know, so you take refuge and you recommit to the uh, precepts over and over. So that's what we're doing on that day. And you're all welcome. There is a registration fee. Anybody that can't afford it, I think it's a hundred bucks. Anybody that can't afford it is welcome to come on scholarship or partial scholarship. It's uh, nobody turned away for lack of funds. Just uh, let us know that you can't afford it and we'll let you come anyways. But if you can't afford it, pay the hundred bucks. It supports the organization. Um, the next Against the Stream retreat is in Portugal in March and it is actually up for registration now. 10 day meditation retreat with myself and Jason Siff is a colleague of mine uh, who's a very interesting teacher and different from me. And it's interesting to have different views, different teachers with different views, get out of the echo chamber of we all agree about how to do this. He and I actually have some very different views about how to wake up in some ways, but mostly we're on the, like how to meditate. We have different views. Um, and, uh, but it's really cool. We've taught together before and it's, it's fun. And uh, 600 bucks in Portugal, 10 days, March 17th through 26th. I just found a place today. I think I'm getting a contract for some uh, retreats up near Big Bear, not the place that we were at last week, a new place that looks much nicer. Um, so there will be a Memorial Day against the stream retreat next year, as well as a week long in the fall. Um, new retreat center that we're looking at up there. So March, May, and I think November for retreat practice with Against the Stream next year. New Year's Eve, is New Year's Eve uh, almost up? This week, we will have registration for the New Year's Eve, the annual uh, intention setting ceremony that happens here. Um, and we'll, it will be hybrid, same as last year, where if you're at home and you wanna do it on Zoom, if you live somewhere else, you can come. We light a candle, we take the precepts, the, uh, we reflect on our year, and we have this ceremony of setting our intentions for the next year. 
Uh, I asked Sebastian because he and I are working on getting the registration page up and it will be up this week and you can register for New Year's Eve and bring your homies. Um, that's all my announcements. Last announcement is that Against the Stream relies on your generosity for our operation. We don't charge people to be here. You're here um, and it's your practice to support as much as you can, as much as you want to, uh, what we're doing here. Uh, suggested donation is like 20, 25 bucks for drop-in class. If you can afford that, great. If you can afford half of that, great. If you can't afford anything, you're welcome to be here. If you're feeling inspired by what we're doing and want to support and give more, please consider supporting Against the Stream, becoming a monthly supporter, um, you know, helping us pay the rent and, and expenses to run this meditation center. So thanks you for your generosity, whatever it is. Else? How do you become a monthly? It's all on the website. You got to go to the website and then put in the monthly donor and you can I think there's like 25, 50, 100 bucks a month and then it just auto debits your thing. I guess we could set it up here so people could do it here, but basically we would just set you up with the computer and then you'd have to put in your credit card stuff. <laughs> so easier just to do at home probably. Sebastian, go ahead. Okay. Yep. Registration for the New Year's Eve is up. I think we are going to limit it. Um, it's been, you know, the last couple of years has been like weird uh, COVID New Year's is. Um, but before that, we used to sometimes get tried 150 people would try to squeeze in here. So I think we're going to limit it to like 80 or 100 or something like that so that we can actually fit and have the candles and do the thing. So register for that in advance. I think that's it. Gathering and offering the merit is one of my practices. Many goodness that comes from our practice and discussion of the Buddha's Dharma, our intention to forgive ourselves and each other, be offered outward in all directions, shared with all living beings. And together, may we create a positive change on this planet. Thanks, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, next week is Halloween, and class is on. You can meditate in costume if you want. We'll see you next week, Halloween. I'll be here if you're here. Even if you're not. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.